0: And feel free to, like, if you say something you feel nerdy or dorky about or something, like, don't worry. This is a very, I don't, I feel like we're kind of on the dorkier side, right, Isla?
1: I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) As you're surrounded by fluffy pink.
0: You're listening to People Not Things, a podcast that inspires entrepreneurs, marketers, and creatives to explore how people are the critical connection of our work, and ask why we often take them for granted. My name is Max Kirchhoff, and I host this podcast with my business partner, Isla Murray. Our business, Lama Six, is best known for our bold visual identity work, innovative marketing campaigns, and our commitment to collaboration and critical thinking. We're sitting down with entrepreneurs, creatives, marketers, artists, and others to talk about their passion, their process, and how they stay focused on the people and relationships that matter. Welcome to People, Not Things. I'm your host, Max, with my co-host, Isla, and this is a podcast produced by Llama6 that we just released a few weeks ago, and today we have some special guests, Nikki and April Dominguez who are co-founders of Handsome App, previously known as Trades, which is basically the go-to resource for beauty industry professionals. So yeah, I'd like to welcome both you, April and Nikki, and uh, tell us a little bit about the app and about yourselves.
2: Yeah, I think a really great place to start is, Nikki, if you give a little bit about your background, because that just feeds so much into why we started this in the first place.
3: Yeah, so I've been in the industry for probably like 10 or 11 years now. And um, I actually started out working behind the chair like every other hairstylist. Um, But I quickly, you know, I started a lot later in my career. I didn't start until I was like 25 or 26. Um, so I had to catch up really quickly, and so I had to find education. I had to find professional resources, and they really didn't exist. You know, ten, eleven years ago, this is way before Instagram, and um, so I really had to kind of find things on my own. Um, and I built my first school in Colorado due to the fact that you know I was missing a lot of resources, and so I built them.
0: You built a beauty school?
3: I did. Yeah, I cool. built my first uh, beauty school in that. Colorado. Yeah, it's still up and running actually today, which is really awesome. Oh,
0: awesome!
3: Yeah, um, and then I, I moved out to New York. Um, and I was out there for about six years. And from there, I ended up still working behind the chair and working with a lot of salon owners and consulting with them. So helping them grow their business side of things, helping them um, implement their own education programs. And then I built two more academies when I was out in New York as well. So really, my experience is uh, every every um, place imaginable in the beauty industry, behind the chair, um, business, education. So a little yeah. bit of experience building to schools. Just a tiny bit,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So I guess how did that like come into uh, what's now known as hands. Some previously known as tradies.
2: My background, I actually had a bit of the opposite experience as Nikki, and so we're sisters and co-founders like you guys know. And so we've been talking to each other on the business front for you know the last 10, 12 years mentoring each other. Cool. And she had often talked to me about all of these pain points that she was facing, which was really the polar opposite of what I was facing. you know. And in my background, um, investing in business and technology, I've always had access to communities and digital communities and in-person communities and the ability to mm. network and utilize LinkedIn, Upwork, Dribbble, Behance, you name it, and the beauty industry doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. And so it really was a source of her saying, I don't have a way to source these candidates or get my education in front of these candidates. And whereas I was on the flip side saying, but there's all these digital communities She's that like, exist. use
3: these. use LinkedIn.
2: I'm like, we don't use that. We use Craigslist. Right. <laughs> right. Which is
0: very reputable. <laughs> for- <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah.
2: And so it really was uh, – combination of both of our backgrounds and knowledge in different areas where yeah. we came together and we were like, well, we need to build a digital community for uh, the beauty industry. And so that's what Handsome is. It's a community that allows beauty professionals to build a digital portfolio, uh, post questions, find answers, and apply to jobs.
0: Cool. And it, I guess the, those, the feature set, I don't want to get too <laughs> into the like product product talk, but um, when you were sort of looking at the different different ways in which people wanted to connect, like through the beauty schools and through others, like what you were looking for, were those like the kernels, I guess, like those main components that people wanted were like somebody to answer that question, uh, resources for education, etc. Was there anything – like uh, did anyone want like more of um, like forums, like community connection like that or was it really like up-leveling each other?
2: It, yeah, I think it's
3: all of the above. Actually, you know, it's really, it's really starting from the top. It's about um, providing a space that people. Feel free to advance their career, you know, and and that is where all of the features come in, you cool. know. So it's really a, a community where you are supporting each other um, and you are actually growing your own uh, professional credibility. And that's where all the features come from. You know, so you to g- grow your career, you need to find education to grow your career. You need to ask questions to grow your career. Mm-hmm. You need to find a new job and move, you know. So really it's um everything that you just said, but the the features are what are providing the avenue to help them actually grow in their career. Mm-hmm. That's
0: cool.
1: I would also, I remember s- one thing that you ladies talked about when we were working together that I thought was so interesting was also how like the field has changed. So maybe back in the day it was more important or like you found work through salons or like the salon was the place that had the power, but now it's more about the people and they have their own followings and their own passion and it's more about them operating as individuals instead of identifying as the salon they work at.
2: Is that right? Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. You know, and so one of our underlying missions and what we're doing with handsome is to really provide a place of belonging for the beauty industry where they feel like they can be bold and they can take that leap in their career. And it's a very different, um, Road than they've taken before because the beauty industry has often, they've had that hierarchy. Mm -hmm. You know, they've had that dynamic of it is the salons first, but everything has started to change. And Instagram has really been a huge part of that because beauty professionals are now able to use Instagram as a tool to uh, level up as educators and in different fields of Mm-hmm. Hair and beauty. That's so.
0: I I hadn't uh, really thought about it until you mentioned it right now, which is uh, how most things go um, <laughs> for me. Which is I had never considered the fact that uh, in the beauty world, uh, basically you could like work, 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 and get to a, s- a certain level locally, or maybe you traveled and you had like uh, you would you know do tours or something like that, similar to how like tattoo artists used to operate. Um, but you would really only be known inside of those like organic communities that you built, uh, mm-hmm. and then there was that next level, which is like. Your things appearing in magazines or Mm -hmm. you're appearing on TV and like you're working at that level and there's this sort of big chasm it seems like between them Mm -hmm. whereas Instagram has now provided this ability for you to like work in I don't know Tulsa Oklahoma Mm -hmm. as like a beauty professional who does incredible work and has millions of followers even though like most of them will never even come into your salon which is like such an interesting component of that that you're mentioning and like uh, the ability to use that scale mm-hmm. to, like, really up-level people and provide those resources. That's so – I mean, I, I guess I'm just saying, wow, you're smart. That's... <laughs> not that <laughs> Thanks, you need we'll my see. validation on that. Yeah, <laughs> clearly, clearly. we we'll
3: see if we are or not, you know.
0: Well, <laughs> I be think determined. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting because even when you're talking about the question and answer part, the resources part, I'm starting to see that stuff up here in, like, LinkedIn. Uh, not that I think anyone's using LinkedIn for anything. But, um, but like, in these other places, which is cool because it's like validation, I think, against your own idea it's it's scary, probably because it's also like these much bigger fish competing in these like similar ways, although with them, I think it's like tech and stuff. Um, but I get bugged by LinkedIn all the time now. Uh, people, like they're like, "Oh, all you know X, Y, and Z," or this many people have asked this question that we think you're qualified to answer. Mm. Well, which is always like, "How do I get a job at Apple or Google or something?" And right. I'm like, I can't actually answer that question. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's so interesting and so cool. Um, I wanted to pivot the conversation a little bit. So I think um, you know the concept behind our podcast is people in relationships. Uh, it's a big thing. Talk about constantly, uh, whether or not we want to, it always ends up being the thing we talk about. And I think that there is a component of the community that you're talking about—community of beauty professionals—who it sort of exists organically and at scale, and in Instagram and in other places. Then there's like this other community. And as two co-founders, I'm sure you have like experience with this, and and not a lot of people I think share that experience as much. Or um, they share it in ways that, like, oversimplifies it. And that's, like, the community of, like, um, incubators, other entrepreneurs, investors that you're talking to and things like that. And, like, developing those relationships. Because I find that to be really interesting. Um, I was mentioning this before the show, before we were recording. That um, I think often uh, the way that you get investment in an app or in an idea is you, like, come up with this really great idea, you put together a presentation, and you show it to a bunch of, like, like normally old men, and, like, they just start writing you checks, uh, which is just not how that happens. Right. <laughs> um, and I, I guess I just kind of wanted to blow that up a little bit and, like, chat about that. Like, how... You know, especially being two women in in a highly, like, male industry, like, startup entrepreneurship. And I know it's, like, more and more women and more people of color there now – but, like it's traditionally very very male. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you like go about developing I guess those relationships, and like are there just these people you hooked into that introduce you to people and like how did how did that all happen?
2: Those are all really good points, and so for us, community has always been at the core. It's been at the core of building our business and it's been at the core of what we're providing to our audience, and it's been at the core of becoming entrepreneurs and founders. And so for me, I call it breaking into the E circle, you know, and so before you become an entrepreneur, you're you're a business person or you're in your field, you're a trades person, whatever field that you're in, but you're not an entrepreneur yet. And to be able to get into that entrepreneur level, you know, you really have to break into that circle and become a part of their community. And so for us, what we did was, you know, for six or seven months before even making significant traction, I was going to every networking event you could possibly go to in in Austin. I mean,
0: (laughs) that's exhausting (laughs) because I just know that there's also just for entrepreneurs, uh, even at like Capital Factory, yeah. there's like there's at least four a week. Yes. It makes just it so one, easy. Yeah. It makes it so easy. You have no excuse. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have no
2: excuse. You know, I was going to 10 a week. That was my job. So Holy my job to me shit. was shake as many hands as I can and start to develop a reputation. Yeah. You know, and um, that's what my focus was in the beginning.
0: That is nuts. Yeah. So um, <laughs> 10, hold lot. on, 10? Okay, so just... <laughs> Sorry, I'm marveling right now. Ten <laughs> meetups a week. Yeah. Yeah. Like two a day or three um, yeah, some days? So
2: what I would do is I would schedule at least one one-on-one coffee appointment. And then yeah. I would go to about five actual group events. And at those five group events, I would always find somebody. And it didn't have to be an investor. It could be somebody that's trying to break into the E-Circle. It could be somebody who is, you know, they have no idea what they're doing. It could be anybody. Yeah. And so I was just taking as many meetings as I could to start regurgitating my thoughts. And this is what I'm trying to do and really build up that just the courage to meet new people.
0: Yeah. it's. I, um, I think it's very interesting that you focus on Austin, too, because um, I relocated here in July. Um, and one of the things that I found in New York when we started our creative studio, I was almost overwhelmed by what a big sort of ocean – of of like our, of people who do what we do, there is there. There's companies that make $100 million a year. There's companies that make $100,000 a year. And there's everybody in between. And there are a lot of meetups in New York. Um, but for like the um, amount of things happening, they're like very far apart and they're actually kind of hard. And I felt like every time I would try to network with people, it would just even, the the ocean of who there was even seemed larger, not smaller. And then I moved to Cleveland for a year. And it was like the opposite, where it was like there were no meetups. And there were some entrepreneur meetups, and what they were were, like, marketing business and salespeople who, like, wanted to start a business but just hadn't yet, and they just wanted to talk about that, and that's not really what I wanted to talk about. And then I moved to Austin, and I think what's really interesting about Austin uh, that that you mentioned you were doing that here is... There's this really cool balance, I think, of like a lot of meetups and uh, networking happening, but it's a small enough place that like you can do that for six months and you literally know everybody Mm -hmm. at the end of that. But it's large enough that that's not insignificant. Mm -hmm. Like they also know a lot of people and Houston and Dallas are close enough that there's a lot going on between all of those. And people are coming in and out of New York and San Francisco and things. So um, I think that's super interesting. What an interesting strategy. I would like – if you had said you had done that in New York, I, I would have been like, did you go into a deep depression at the end of that? <laughs> you know, like – and, like, be just totally overwhelmed by that. Yeah. But it is interesting because here it is different. And I'm sure – I'm guessing you probably ran into a lot of the same people um, as you would, like, go th- go to different meetups and, like, meet different people Is that right? And
2: that's that's what the beauty of it is, is, you know, over time you start to run into and you run into the same VC firms and small and small funds and angel investors. And so at the end of six months, you know, they're starting to see, oh, this girl's not going anywhere. She's actually out here doing it and she's consistent and sticking around. So that's the plus side of having that small community.
0: That's so cool and interesting. And so, I guess, yeah, as you built that out then, so so six or seven months, you said?
2: Mm-hmm. I just... mean, it's still ongoing. Yeah. Well, we don't yeah. go to 10 yeah. a week anymore, but it's it's very high on our by list. By the way,
0: if you don't, uh, uh, I don't know if it's your regular newsletter. I don't remember where where I subscribed to it, but I get your newsletter, uh-huh. um, the, the handsome newsletter. Um, and you both document, like, what meetings you had that week, I think, as well as, the, and I'm fascinated by this newsletter. I read it every single week. I don't know if you know that. I might, I don't know if I'm the only one or if everybody is. Because, I do, too. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Partially because I'm like, how do they have the time to do all of this in one week?
1: I'm really inspired by it. Do you find it? Are you like naturally an extroverted person? Like, is it hard for you to put yourself out there that much? Or was it something that you just had to practice and now you just do it?
2: I'm not naturally extroverted. I think I have a switch that I can turn on and off, but I definitely get exhausted. And I, like, Nikki knows this, you know, there it comes a point where I'm like, I'm off. My switch is off for the weekend, you know. Um,
0: do you yeah. just, like, like go find a cave somewhere and lay down for two days straight? Pretty
2: much. <laughs> I go on a long bushwalk.
0: <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. I, li- I like those silent moments. That's, like, where yeah. I do all of my thinking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. Um, so... Yeah, I guess that is that is really interesting. Um, I, I'm an extrovert. I was an introvert. We talk about that on episodes yeah. often because mm-hmm. we have this, like, funny balance of things. I'm very similar to you, though, where it's, like, on, 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 mm-hmm. on. And then uh, actually it happens every day now, I think, because I'm getting older. It's, like, 10:30 or 11. I'm, like, I will now have a whiskey or a beer, and I will just <laughs> crash, like, into the ground. <laughs> and then I'm done until 6 a.m. tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Um, so, yeah, talking about developing that community. So, uh, yeah, you were seeing a lot of the similar people, I'm guessing, networking with them. And were you both living in Austin as you were doing that or were you separate?
3: No. Um, actually, I was in – we started our company um, in, I want to say, May of 2018. And so I was actually in New York um, until – oh, my gosh, when did I move here? July of 2019. So I've been here for uh, probably about seven months now. So for uh, the majority of our starting our company, we were actually working remotely and doing a lot of Zoom calls and things like that. And so, um, yeah, just recently out here.
0: How did you – how did you feel like that impacted you at all? I mean, Isla and I are – she's in London I'm in Austin. So I, I think I know how it impacts us and, like, how we manage it. And it actually works – we make it work pretty well, but our – our, our work is very different. Mm-hmm. Like, we're service-based, and we have connections kind of all over the place, and there's not a lot. Like, we're talking about investors. I'm pretty sure you, an investor doesn't only want to just ever see you on video. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably want to shake your hand at some point or, like, see you in person. So did, did, did you feel like that impacted you all, or did you feel like because it's the two of you and you're very like-minded, like, you're able to sort of, like, be in New York while April's in, in uh, Austin?
2: It worked really well in the beginning, meaning that Nikki had her entire beauty network in New York, so she was out there on the grind, hustling, talking to all of the beauty industry that she had built up over the past six years in New York, and we launched our product in New York, so that worked out really well, Um, but then over time, it did become really difficult you know, because I was here having in-person meetings with investors and then having to relay that conversation over the phone. It's like you're having the conversation twice, and so it just took more time. You know, and so when we got together in person, we were just able to move so much quicker and so much faster. And then in addition, there's something to be said. It's so important to get in front of investors and having both of us in front of investors is it just is significantly better than just having one person in front of the investor when you're Mm co-founders.
0: Yeah. Springboarding on that, I think. So you're talking about being in front of them. And and that's really interesting. That's that's cool to hear. And I know when Isla and I are together, it's we have a similar effect. I should say when we're in meetings together, it's a similar effect where I think we both like being in meetings together with somebody because then we don't have to have a conversation about the conversation, which is just now, <laughs> and, you know, A, it's the whole like telephone game. Uh, and B, it's just like, oh, you know, all the, inf- well, yeah, the telephone game where all this information gets lost. Um, And, like, your passion about it is kind of done. And you're like, I don't remember. I mean, this is me. I'm lazy about that stuff. I'm like, I don't remember what we (laughs) talked about. It was good, I think. I wrote some notes down. Right. Um, But, yeah, that's, like, a component of it. Um, I think focusing back on the investor thing uh, we were talking about. So as you're talking to investors, as you're talking to people who are interested in Handsome um, in what you're doing, either in, I guess, helping you, you know, scale it up or, like, interested in helping the business or in investing in it. Like, how, how did you – are those relationships all just out of meetups? Like, did you just, like, go through meetups? Or were there, like, specific uh, sorts of things that you use, like incubators mm-hmm. or, like – I guess the, if you want to tell me about that process, because mm-hmm. that community formation is really interesting to me.
2: Yeah. Um, so my background, I actually came from investing. So I was with an oil and gas investment company for six years prior to this, and we raised $130 million and invested that over the six years that I was there with them. And so I became very knowledgeable on what it takes to build relationships with investors. And so what happened initially was literally we reached out to our entire network. It was a spreadsheet, you know. So I had listed every single person that I knew and sent them a text or an email. Like, this is what we're doing. This is what we're working on. And that's really where it starts, you know, is reaching out to your own network first and see if anybody will introduce you to others.
0: I'm guessing that investors want to see your drive like, when you're pitching them something.
1: Oh, my gosh. I feel like their drive is so obvious. <laughs> just, like, the way, you, the energy that you two have whenever you talk about handsome, it's, like, so clear. And you both, like, are these powerhouse sisters, and I just, like, feel it. But maybe that's more intentional than just me being like, whoa.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I guess, is, is, that, is that intentional? Like, how, how, how do you two sort of... Uh, find a way to broadcast that drive, that passion about what you do.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I think you just have to genuinely be passionate about what you're doing. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know yeah. it it's, it's um, we I think something that aids us is the fact that we have the same values and the same mission, you know, and the same vision that we're really wanting to make sure that we're we're helping um, an entire we're helping, for one, an entire industry that has not ever been given the recognition that it deserves in so many ways, you know, Mm. in a profession, in technology and career support. Um, But then on top of that, you know, it's an industry filled with women, you know, it's full, it's 85% women, you know, and it's uh, an industry that is fun and it's creative and it's powerful, you know, so I think really it's the fact that we're just both passionate about what we're doing um, and that we share the same values. And so it makes it easier for us to do that because if you're not passionate about what you're doing, um, you will fail. Because it gets really tough, you know, and the only thing that keep you going is the fact that you have to have that passion there. Otherwise, you know, you can throw it out really, really quickly. So mm-hmm. I think that's something that it's just innate in what we're doing. But it's also something that you have to keep cultivating and reminding yourself, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? You know, and it's a, a, it becomes a lot bigger than yourself. Um, so I think that's where the passion comes from.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, I really want to focus on, on that thing that you said, because it's a point I've been coming back to with, um, other folks that I've been talking to in the past like year around brand and naming and brand strategy and stuff, because I've been leaning more into that space because after many years of not wanting to call myself a marketer or working in marketing, I've come to realize that that's actually what I'm good at. Um, and I wanted to like call it all these other things, but it actually is that it's like understanding the philosophical I love it.
1: I love it. Like on your, <laughs> on your email, it's brand philosopher. <laughs> I feel like that's, it's so yeah. And your business card it is too. That's So that's like
0: my way of being okay with a marketing title. <laughs> I had to le, le, like make it legitimate in some other way for me, which is my own internal struggle. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like tossing yeah, shade at anybody. When we first started
1: Llama 6, like Max just kept on being like, but what will we call Call ourselves like am I a co-founder, or am I a, uh, a tech. Like I feel like you really struggled to like I, label your email handle. I mean, I do, and I don't want this to
0: be the Max podcast. But I mean, part of the reason there. that that is the case is because like I am so good at so many different things, and I'm gonna just like bear my ego here for a second. But like I'm very good at stuff, and I learn it really quickly, and I can master things really fast. And so when somebody is like, "You're a web developer," it's like I'm like, "Oh god, please don't like don't don't do that to me," mm-hmm. because like I'm so much more. And I think other people feel that way too. I think we all kind of do. Mm-hmm. And one of the things yeah. that you're
2: very good at is vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. So Thank I can you. see how that could <laughs> complicate <Yes>. things. <laughs>
0: it, it it is upsetting. <laughs> it's it's what I found upsetting about uh, working for mm-hmm. other people in corporate worlds. Like literally, at one you know, every tech company I've ever worked at, there's like a job ladder with a title and. then like a number for where you are in that ladder, Mm -hmm. which to me is so terrifying Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I'm like software engineer rank two, like, oh, I know some people (laughs) like that. I don't. But (laughs) back to what I was saying, the brand and naming component that I was going to mention that I really wanted to go back to what you were saying, Nikki, is like the passion that people have for Mm -hmm. their, whether it's a startup or a Mm -hmm. small business or just a side hobby or whatever. Mm -hmm. Sometimes folks will come to us, especially startups. And they'll see how big brands do things. And they'll want to recreate that relationship with us or with somebody else. And they'll say, just give me a great visual identity. Just tell me. Like, we actually talked about naming when you change names from Trades to handsome. Um, And people will sometimes come to us and be like, just give us a name And I am so apprehensive to that because I'm, like, if I give you a name and we, like, package something up that you don't believe in, Mm -hmm. then when it gets hard, you're going to be, like, oh, I hate this. Mm -hmm. Like, or, oh, I don't believe in this or I don't like this. And it's – the name is, like, you know, give or take – some people can fall in love with a a name. But, like, a brand position – is way more vital. Mm -hmm. Like, if you came to us and you were like, okay, we don't want to work with beauty professionals, what should we do? And I was like, oh, we should work for... (laughs) This is really strange. We should, like, make a construction worker application that, like, helps them do stuff. And then, like, after two years, you're like, I just don't care about, like, how construction workers feel about their work. Mm -hmm. That would be really hard as a business when things got tough and when, like, you're trying to make decisions about it and you're running out of money and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. So I really... Sorry, I just really wanted to focus on that because um, people, I think either glaze over that and forget that mm-hmm. when they have a they're like oh I have a good idea and that's all you need and you're like no you need to like really care about the people who mm-hmm. you're affecting mm-hmm. and the second yeah. thing though is like it, but it's also not on the other side which I hear sometimes in startup culture which is like you need to like be ride right or die your idea and not take any critical feedback at all um, because I, I'm sure, uh, because I know the two of you really well that if I were to say like, Hey, I talked to some beauty professionals and they like really think your approach is flawed in some way, mm-hmm. you would seriously consider that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's another mistake that people make that they're like, my passion should just override any criticism, which mm-hmm. is like yeah. also not true.
3: Yeah. It's, you know, <clears throat> going back to that about your passion, you know, I've tried, I've tried to start, um, two other businesses and, um, so it's not, and they were in the beauty industry. And so it's often not about your actual business. It's about why you're doing it and what you want to accomplish at the end of the day. You know, so I had started these other businesses and I was still in the beauty space is something I was still familiar with. Um, but the reasoning behind what I was doing um, wasn't uh, it wasn't in my core. You know, yeah. and so I I was actually using it as a way to get somewhere else. And so when things did get hard, it was really easy for me to let that go because I was like, Oh, I don't even want to do this you know, like why am I working so hard for something that like I'm struggling, I'm you know, eating ramen and yeah. all these things, like why am I doing this? And so now that we're in handsome, it's really about the the mission. It's about why we're doing what we're doing. Like, and so it doesn't matter how many times. It doesn't matter the avenue that we're getting there. It's about what is the end result that we want to achieve, and what is that mission and purpose behind it. Because the you know we've already done what two like two kind of pivots. You know, one in our product and one in our name, and so it makes those things um, easier. Because it's like, well, what is going to be the best to support us to get to the end? You know, so even it's not even about like the actual product or feature or business. It's about this is what I want to accomplish. What are the different ways they're going to help me get there? And so that also has a lot to do with it. Um, So that's something that I learned in my (laughs) <laughs> entrepreneur journey
0: <laughs> yeah that's i mean i mean all, what you're talking about right is just being very human-centered and like the people who you want to affect mm-hmm. and really caring about what affects their lives mm-hmm. and it's like you're talking about right the what you do in your app right now is only there because it's achieving the results for those people that you wanted mm-hmm. which is like upleveling them and educating them and if you, I'm guessing, if you were to if you were to put the Q and A feature in, and like everybody's like, I don't really care about this; it doesn't help me. You would just take it out, mm-hmm. um, and not be like, we need to have this. Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, I don't know how much in the corporate world. I mean, I know you have not really worked much in the corporate mm-hmm. world, but I have, and Isla has. I don't know how many leaders I've had who are like, no, we just need this widget, and you're like, <laughs> for who? And yeah. they're like. We need it. Mm -hmm. It's what our competitors do, which is it's always a mistake, Mm -hmm. almost always a mistake. You're concentrating on a solution, not on a problem, Mm -hmm. which um, is, yeah, right. And that focus just totally changes your view of what you're doing. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, there was something that I wanted to touch on that you were talking about as far as critical feedback goes, you know. And so I think as an entrepreneur, it's um, a lot of people get really, really scared of being open to feedback And I think that that's one of the most important things. And what we did, you know, very well was we went in and we were wide open. Like, let's get as much feedback as we possibly can. And it's so important. And not just from your audience, audience as well, but from so many people who have gone down that path before you. You know, and one of the best ways that we figured out how to do that was actually through going through an accelerator program. And that was, um, you know, it was a 12 week program. And for 12 weeks, they're just they're questioning every single thing about what you're doing. You know, and they're putting you up against the wall of, you know, have you thought through your business model? Is this your actual mission? Are you guys um, compatible co-founders? Are you going to be able to make it this far? Can you actually raise money? And they make you question yourself so much. But that critical feedback is so important because it's almost like um, preparing you for the real thing when yeah. you actually go to raise a bigger
0: round. Well, what do you th- why do you think some, some folks are just not open to that critical feedback? Because
2: it's hard and it's horrible. (laughs) Like, oh, my God, standing up in front of, you know, 60 people and doing a pitch and them questioning you like, well, how is this not like this app? And you're not going to make, you know, it's hard. It's your everything that you believe in and you're working for and you're sweating for is being put on the line. So it's just um, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to take in. But if you can take it in and take a breath and then walk away from it, there's a lot to be learned. Mm -hmm. It's a really great Mm. exercise it's, it's
3: definitely a really great exercise to get critical feedback. Cause mm. I mean, even going into all the investor meetings that we were in all the time, it was like, it's really funny. Cause they would like hype you up and they're like, Oh my God, you guys could do this and you could do this. And they're like, okay, now we're not going to invest because your idea sucks. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> what, what?
2: <laughs> you know? why did we just talk for an hour and a half?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? And so it is a really great exercise because it does, you know, do exactly that. It like, it helps you become like so sure of what you believe in, but also be like, Oh well that is a good idea. That is a different approach that I didn't think about, you know? Um so it, it ma it does a lot. It's a really great um personal yeah. growth exercise and it it just creates a, a healthy um uh, healthy not boundary but it it creates something healthy and it makes you stronger and you go okay all right this is just going to keep happening they're going to keep shooting bullets yeah and you know i don't even have to worry about dodging them or anything because it's like oh you could provide something that's valuable you could also provide something i'm just going to completely forget when i see don't see you know (sighs) after i walk away so
0: how how did the two of you i guess like how did you open yourselves up to that like was it hard at first and you were really not not into getting that feedback or were you just like immediately like we need we need this feedback like what is the (laughs) emotional like mental process right i i'm 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 serious because me it took me probably 15 years until i could actually like hear feedback the first time yeah um and i'm being totally honest about that like literally i was probably in my early 30s when i realized that like i just needed to listen to people more Mm
3: -hmm. (laughs) yeah i think we uh it's a good question because i think we have we both have different experiences and approaches to it you Mm -hmm. can talk to yours
2: You know, I have always thrown myself into the feedback circle, and that's one thing that I pride myself on, and it came from my previous career because I was able – I had a Mm. mentor who was um, the CEO, and uh, I worked directly under him, and so I just was striving so much to learn from him that I had to open myself up. And so he really taught me to be able to sit down and listen to his critical feedback. And he would tell me every day, you know, this is where you could improve. This is where you could do better. And so mine really stemmed from that experience. But it's also a, um, to me, being able to accept feedback is relationship building. And that's the most important thing in everything that you're doing. You know, if you can build a relationship, then you can build trust. You can build a business. You can build an audience. And But if you can't accept feedback, you can't build a relationship. Yeah.
0: Hmm. yeah. It's, yeah, it's very one-sided then, right? Right. Mm-hmm. It's that's so interesting. It's, how so? That person, that mentor. I think did they like set a context of like, "I, you're valuable, you belong here," and now I'm going to tell you some really hard stuff that you have to hear, or was it? I just asked that because the problem I think it took me so long to realize that is like nobody ever sat me down and said that to me. Yeah. Um. And so when I got critical feedback, I internalized it and personalized it, and it was like how mm-hmm. it was like how am I invalid? Right. Rather than like, how can I just do better? And this person appreciates me. Did Mm -hmm. they, yeah, did they like talk you through that? Or was that just something you assumed? Yeah,
2: no, I think that that's a really good point. And if if you're giving critical feedback and not pointing out, you know, the ways that somebody is succeeding and doing well, then it's just mean. (laughs) You
1: know, (laughs) it's not, it's not productive
2: feedback. (laughs) And so what he did really well was he always, he told me, you are, you are the number one employee in this company. And you can rise to the top, but you need to fix these areas. And so, hearing him say, "Oh, I can be that successful," okay, now I'm open to listening. You know, mm-hmm. so he definitely um, opened that door and made it easier for me to listen.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah, I I had a different experience.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> um, you know, when it, it's two different things. When I'm in uh, my beauty career and I'm behind the chair, uh, there's nothing that like can stop me you know I'm like let me learn let me figure it out I'm, re- I'm ready to go but coming into this like startup investor world was so foreign you know that here I am an expert in what I do and I've been doing it for 10 11 years and I'm incredibly successful at it you know and to have investors come in and tell me I don't know what I'm talking about oh, yeah. you yeah. know and to um, it it felt very like belittling and insulting and that's where it started for me. And I think when we went through um, Sputnik, the accelerator program, something that was uh, very enlightening was uh, being in a space where you understand that these people are here to help you. You know, so I do think yeah. that this is kind of tying into like what yeah. both of you are saying is that you have to trust the person that's providing this feedback. Right. And then you start to develop an, uh, an awareness of whose feedback that you're going to engage with and whose feedback is just feedback to, you know, like April was saying, could just be mean, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And so for me, it was a really big learning curve very quickly of when feed, you know, what type of feedback and when and who it was from. So uh, it, it didn't defeat me, it actually taught me a, a different skill. So my <laughs> experience with critical feedback was a little bit different. <laughs>
0: Cool. I think that's a that's a, that's so interesting to hear, and that, I think that's very similar to my experience. <laughs> yeah. More than, uh, yeah, and being having to hear that like super hard feedback, feeling invalidated, mm-hmm. feeling yeah. humiliated, almost yeah. probably. I'm guessing like, um, and having to like humble yourself in order to hear that is mm-hmm. so difficult. I think mm-hmm. it's funny because yeah. in in my career, like working in software and engineering, it's like <laughs> some sometimes if you're on a, a small team. Uh, it can get really nasty sometimes mm-hmm. because people try to give each other feedback without any sort of context, like a uh, pro-social context, I guess mm-hmm, I should say, mm-hmm. where it's like we're all in this together and I want you to be better and I want me to be better. And so, like, let's give each other feedback. And it would always get really nasty and really devolve. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you'd form all these rifts. And it's funny. I wish I could go back and tell, like, 20-year-old me or 25-year-old me um, Like, hey, here's how to just change that culture by, like, just saying that out loud Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the meeting, right? Like, literally just sitting down with five people. And it doesn't matter who's giving who feedback. would be like, hey, we all belong here, da-da-da-da, which is so interesting and I think could just, like, change the entire way that you hear critical information, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um,
1: I also feel like confidence has a lot to do with it, too. I know for me... I am when I'm really confident about something I love getting critical feedback even if that critical feedback is this is shit and like (laughs) let's revisit it like I'm totally open to revisiting it but if it's something that I feel insecure about it's really hard for me to hear like critical feedback and I think it's the same with people giving critical feedback too because I've often got that mean critical feedback from people who I know have no idea what they're actually talking about and Mm -hmm. probably just want to make sure everybody knows that they're intelligent and loud and important but often like the most thoughtful feedback is like told in like this confident critical way that is kind of kinder and I think that comes from really being clear and understanding the problem
2: right Mm mm-hmm yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like, what's your intention behind the feedback? Is your intention mm-hmm. to help somebody grow, or is it your intention to correct something that annoys you? you yeah, know, there's like, two or just different... show
1: that you have a you're you're the greatest,
2: right?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: i was gonna say something else there. But... Well, we, yeah,
0: we we see that a lot in design. Mm-hmm. With um, yeah, I think there's a tradition uh, in, in the arts in some places and in design specifically, the idea of like defending your design or defending, Mm. uh, your work. Um, which I think originally was an interesting idea. It's like defending a thesis or defending anything else where it's like people can give you critical feedback and you need to be able to talk through it and express it, which, but it like gets, it's been like for some folks, I think, sort of, um, mutated into like, I need to just push how this is the best solution and like, that's it. And it's, like, just really mm-hmm. not addressing people's feedback or criticism or anything. Um, and and then on the other side of it, like I, I was mentioning, there's also just the people who just want to have a problem with everything to make it sound like they're smart. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, like, I, I don't know. Whenever I see those people, I just, most I just ignore it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I try to ignore it. Because you can tell the difference between critical feedback that's important yeah. and feedback that's, like, I just want to sound like I'm smart.
1: Mm-hmm. And then it's, like, all about trying to make those people feel heard and being, like, okay, yeah, I get it. And it's, like, but really in your head, you're, like, you just need to feel heard and important yeah Um, Yeah. i have a i have another question though that's kind of a random one how is it being sisters and co-founders it's hard (laughs) it's hard there's
0: a little pause there yeah yeah i was
1: gonna say because like max and i like we like we're sisters and we work in our relationship (laughs) um but no yeah
2: do you guys have like like have you figured out a little strategy for that I think we have, because we're sisters, we have so much um, What's advantage, you know, because we have so much energy, and we can work really well together, and we can work at a really rapid pace, and we also are on completely opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to a lot of things, you know, um, introvert, extrovert, which I'm not claiming an extrovert, but I think you're a little mm-hmm. more introverted than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, our business expertise and background, and we have all of these mm. that is as an advantage because we're like yin and yang. But then it's just, it's hard as with any relationship. You know, you have a lot of things that you have to work through and under- make sure that you're listening to the other person and understanding and coming to decisions together. So I think that, um, I think any partnership co-founder is difficult
0: i 'm um, guessing mm-hmm. you both like each other mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean there's <laughs> i mean the the foundation
3: of our our relationship is is there you know yeah. like we're we 're sisters we under we 've heard what we 've both gone through you know in our we know what we 've both gone through in our personal lives, but also professionally we understand each other um so it 's been there are so many advantages and it's a matter of, you know, we both have this drive and this passion to want to succeed, that it's a matter of like, we're willing to work through those things that are hard, where a lot of other business partnerships could potentially go, you know what? F you, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. I don't want to work with you because I'm right, you know? And so there's... there's I say that a lot. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> to <for> Isla. <laughs> <laughs> to your sister. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> cute awkward laughter <laughs> oh. <laughs> um yeah so it's 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 good because it it helps us evolve and yeah. um, we have uh respect for each other and we want to we want to bring something to uh to people that matter to both of us you know in yeah. in our different ways so um yeah
0: I'm guessing there's a complicated balance because Isla and I, we aren't actually sisters. Oh. Um, we aren't related. Um, but we are like pretty close friends. And mm-hmm. there is this like balance that I feel like we strike that uh, we actively have to work towards that we're not great at, perfect at. But, um, or at least, I mean, I think about it this way. I'm guessing Isla does too which is like we have access to each other's personal lives in a way that a lot of coworkers don't mm-hmm. um even a lot of like business partners don't who like just have very professional relationships and what i mean by access is like we understand what's going on in each other's lives at any given moment we kind of understand like the larger emotional context of people or of them sorry of of like like with Isla and with myself and sometimes we're wrong about it and sometimes we're right about it but it is this funny balance because i think it's a net positive which means like I know what's going on in Ayla's life. She knows what's going on in mine. And so, like, if we're short with each other or, like, managing a lot of work at that time or something, we, like, kind of get it. And we, like, know how that person can, like, is and how they express themselves. And we give each other a little bit more, I think, um, benefit of the doubt. Um, But then there is the other side of it, too, where it's, like, we have so much information. Sometimes it could be, like, it could be very complicated and dangerous where you're, like... Okay, we have to like make sure we're not jerks to each other because we could really hurt each other. Because mm-hmm. it's not just a like professional thing where like I say something nasty and then she can just like you mm-hmm. know at five o'clock clock out and forget about it. So it's it's I'm
1: I guess that that's not this second part of this. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> like I I was like hell yeah like go for it Max. Like I feel that way too. Like. I like it. And I know you hurt your shoulder and you're kind of bumming out or whatever. <laughs> but then That's I would never, yeah. I just feel like it's not in your personality or mine to take shit out on each other, really. I don't think we've ever really taking our personal lives out on each other do you no. or maybe this should be another conversation. Oh yeah, no. I mean
0: I don't mean sorry, I don't mean taking our personal lives out on each and other. We're through, we'll <laughs> over. But I mean more in like getting into a tense business moment, business mm-hmm. conversation, oh, yeah. and personalizing it. Is a danger. That makes sense. Um, and I think actually I think we did make mistakes around that when we first started. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I know I did because I'm I am a bad person to know like personal information about people because like I if I were to get carried away and get in my own head about it and be mean, I can like really hurt people and say really mean things. And I know that about myself and I really actively try not to do that. Um but I know it's in my capabilities because I have done it historically in my life. Oh, wow. So um yeah. yeah. And like we've I think even said mean things to each other at times. Not necessarily like super hardcore mean things, but stuff that hurt each other's feelings. Um and we've definitely cried mm-hmm. as as a, as business partners together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, I know what you mean. It's, like, if something's frustrating to do with work, it's, like, hard to not just be mad. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's also hard. I don't know if you all get this, and, and maybe you, maybe you don't, but, like, there are times where we have, like, tense business moments, and then I'm, mm-hmm. like, Isla's being so difficult. And I'm, like, no, it's just the situation's actually difficult. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Isla's not being difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's a hard moment. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Cool. But yeah, I'd love to um, pivot a little bit um, on the community you sort of developed. So it sounds like, um, Nikki, there was like a community really understood, like, and building schools and doing all this stuff and developing. And I'm guessing you, like, had these connections also yourself on Instagram. Was there, like, sort of these, like, um, a, a, a big, like, idea or philosophy or strategy behind, like, as you launch the app, like, how to build it so that the right people were there right mm-hmm. away?
3: So I just want to fix that a little bit i'm actually very poor at community <laughs> 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 because you know um, i think april's the one who like excels with community um and so it was really april saying you know there needs to be this online community whereas i know like for me it was like what is missing what have i personally struggled with mm. um What have I seen over the last 11 years that other people are struggling with? You know, so it was a combination of, you know, my struggles and my problems and April's knowledge and understanding of community that really brought this together. Because if you look at my Instagram, it's very little. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so I just – it's just really – it's so it's bringing those two ideas together yeah. that brought that really created handsome. Yeah, and it's it's about a community that provides intentional solutions. You yeah. know, so it's about um, a network of people that can support each other and help each other when they're struggling to find answers that just are nowhere to be found. Um, so. Uh, that's that's really where Handsome came from and so it's like kind of ties into your whole podcast it's like people not things you know yeah. <laughs> yes. and um, you know we're we're in the business of people and these people are touching other people every single day yeah. and helping people feel better about them every single day and so what we want to do is provide a space where we can actually support those people you know and the way that we're doing it is through Handsome the app
0: yeah, yeah. that is so interesting that uh, what you all do happens to also topically relate to the podcast Um, cool yeah so I guess just to wrap up now thank you uh, April and Nikki for coming on this has been really great if you want to know more about Handsome uh, it's handsomeapp.com, and thank you so much for talking about feedback, community, investors, all of these interesting parts of being an entrepreneur, starting an app, uh, and I guess, like, your own struggles with feedback, or not struggles, your own victories with feedback. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd love to give you a moment. Is is there anything I guess people could do that you'd love people to do, sign up for the app, sign up for a newsletter?
2: Yeah, you know, I would just say reach out to us. You can absolutely download Sign Up Mm -hmm. the App. We're Handsome, the Beauty Network, in the App Store. But um, as we said, we're huge on community and obviously big on connecting with people and even giving back to people who are just getting started and have questions, you know. So reach out to Mm -hmm. us on Instagram. We're handsome underscore app or um, on Twitter, you know, and we're happy to connect with anybody and give any advice and feedback we can. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Great. So um, go ahead and send them all your critical feedback on social media. (laughs) Just kidding. Please, please be nice. Um, Great. Yeah. So thanks again. Thank you, Isla. Another great episode in the can. Thanks, guys. Thanks,
3: guys. Bye. Thank you, guys.
0: Hey, it's Max. I just wanted to say, wow. We launched this podcast two weeks ago and have gotten so much love from our friends and colleagues. One of the topics in the podcast you just heard with the ladies from Handsome was on getting critical feedback. We enjoyed all the nice notes from everyone who was listened, but were extra delighted by some of the thoughtful, critical feedback. One of our friends in particular said she listened to all the podcasts and enjoyed hearing our voices and thoughts, but really would have liked us to focus on a main point or a thesis that was the center of our conversation. I think that feedback was spot on and we're really going to try and do that going forward. So we might even change the format a little bit. The point is, thank you to everybody who's given us feedback so far. And if you haven't yet, please do. We want to hear from you because we want to be that podcast that you recommend and you feel really invested in. We'd love to hear from you. And you can always reach us by going to peoplenotthings.party and there's a little link to email us in the upper right-hand corner. Thanks again. Find and subscribe to People Not Things wherever you listen to podcasts. Our music was created by Mary Blount. This podcast is a production of Llama 6, our creative studio. We focus on brand, visual identity, website design, and a whole lot more. We've worked with tiny early stage startups and giant brands. So if you're looking to take that next step with your marketing or creative work, let us know. We're there to help. Until next time.